This episode of The Tome Show is brought to you by EasyRollerDice.com. It's time to up your dice game. And listeners like you, who've either become patrons at Patreon.com slash The Tome Show, or by using The Tome's Amazon and DM's Guild affiliate links. Hi, this is Stan, the guy with a big ol' exclamation point. You know what that means. And you are listening to The Tome. Welcome to The Tome, a D&D news, reviews, and interview show, and I'm your Tome host, Jeff Greiner. And in this episode, number 283, we're going off to the untamed reaches of Arda, the world of Middle-Earth, as we discuss the Wilderlands adventures for the 5e Middle-Earth game by Cubicle 7. Well, we lost our regular Middle-Earth expert, Jeffrey Wynn, for this episode, since he's busily working on an episode of the Appendix N podcast right now. Uh, we have, however, a cadre of folks who have joined us in previous Middle-Earth reviews and have all shown themselves worthy to join our fellowship, even if Gandalf is off on another adventure. Joining us first is Lewis Brenton, who has been on this program a few times now, as well as many Appendix N episodes. Welcome back, sir. Thank you for having me. And also, the man who managed to be the only real casualty in a level 1 to 30 campaign I ran, where he not only died, but if I recall correctly, actually died twice. Uh, He's also a grognard from way back and has a YouTube show called The Basics of the Game and a product recently released on DriveThruRPG all about spellbooks. Welcome back, Jeremiah McCoy. Hey, glad to be back. Did I hit all the highlights for you? Sure, especially the whole dying twice thing. That was a nice highlight for me. Considering nobody died except you, but you did it twice. (laughs) Someone had to take it for the team. That's right. Uh, So in this episode, we're going to be talking about Adventures in Middle-Earth, Wilderland Adventures. It is a licensed 5th edition D&D product set in Middle-Earth, the world of the Lord of the Rings, published by Cubicle 7, who's been working in the Middle-Earth license for years now. Uh, and who also wrote the Players and Lore Masters guide that we reviewed in the past. Remember that Adventures in Middle-Earth, while based on 5e, has some key mechanical differences, so it's not really the same game, although it runs on the same engine. Is that fair? That's about right. Yeah, that's that's a, a fair summation. All right, very good. So before we get too far into that, though, I want to mention our sponsor, EasyRollerDice.com. They make some fantastic dice. I recently gave away a bunch to some of the students that are in my after-school gaming club, and they looked phenomenal. So much so that I am now ordering more for myself and and tossing in a couple or a set of the the awesome-looking gunmetal uh, metal dice that they've got as well. Uh, if you want to go shop on a shopping spree like me, do so using the coupon code T-O-M-E. The coupon code is TOME to get 15% off your total price. Like dice? Need more dice? Check out EasyRollerDice.com for amazing dice, including their gunmetal and rose gold collections. When you visit... Make sure to use coupon code TOME, that's T-O-M-E, at checkout and save 15% immediately. Again, go to EasyRollerDice.com and use code TOME at checkout and save 15% and snag yourself some great dice and gaming accessories. Alright, let's get into it. So while the player's guide is full of Middle-Earth 5th edition player's options uh, or, or 
derivations of the the core of fifth edition uh, for players. The lore master's guide tells the DM sort of how to run adventures and create adventures in the setting and using the system. Um, this book, however, is is a collection of adventures, uh, if if I understand it correctly. To be upfront, um, I am only hosting. I am not the, a reviewer on this product. I have not read it. I am, but we have our expert panel. Uh, so, so it's a collection of adventures. Is that is that the basic concept? Yes, there's a series of seven adventures that look like they ought to run you from level one through about level seven. Yeah, it's uh, it's what they would call an adventure path. It's not uh, a unified adventure like what Watsy turns out these days, but uh, a bunch of small adventures that are more or less linked, and they become more linked as you go through them. Hmm. So, so they they could stand alone, but if you play them together, there's there's extra benefit of doing so in terms of understanding the story. Yeah, that's right. In fact, that's one of my favorite features about it is of the seven adventures, the first three in particular could stand alone as separate from one another. And really, to some degree, the fourth one could, although the fourth one kind of gives you a little flash preview of, oh, spoilers, 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 because <laughs> we're doing an adventure review, so spoilers well, everywhere, yeah. spoilers abound. Um, but the fourth adventure gives a short preview of the major villain of Adventures 5, 6, and 7, which are pretty tightly narratively tied to one another. Okay. Yeah, the... Um uh, I suppose we should start with saying who the villain is because it is a linking element. Uh, this is the Gibbet King uh, or Gibbet King. I'm not actually sure. How I that's... think Gibbet. I wasn't. Yeah. I'm not really familiar with the word either, but I actually looked it up just to make sure. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's going to be Gibbet King. So he was a the jailer of the necromancer of Dol, uh, Dol Guldora, which. Uh, for those of you who actually watch the Hobbit films, that's the thing that... Uh, or read the books. I imagine there's some people who have read the books. It doesn't appear in the Hobbit book. Uh, and uh, not in the Hobbit book, but it does appear in other books. It does. It comes in the appendix and some of the other stories. But for those who are... There are going to be a lot of people out there who have maybe seen the movies and not read all of the breadth of knowledge of uh, Tolkien. Uh, the Necromancer is the thing that... Uh, Gandalf goes and does the side quest to fight and ends up getting trapped. And then, you know, the, 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 the people, the big and powerful people from Rivendell all show up to save him and they fight it and they, they defeat it. It's in the movie. They suggest it's actually more like Sauron or at least tied to Sauron in the books. That is actually not really suggested. And this adventure doesn't suggest it. But uh, the jailer, the the gibbet king, uh, was the torturer of the necromancer. And when he was defeated, the gibbet king went and decided to make his own little play for power. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, the gibbet king um, has been a servant of of the necromancer, and now he's just kind of running loose, and he starts sort of gathering a mix of people who were scattered of bad guys who were scattered when the necromancer was run off. And then also some of the remnants of the bad guys from the battle of five armies at the end of the Hobbit. 
Okay, so the timing is between The Hobbit and the and the Lord of the Rings, if I remember right from the previous books. Yes. Yeah, they're uh, they're, they're aiming. The, the default setting is Wilderland five years after the happenings of The Hobbit. Okay. And and is it still centered out of that same area, the Lonely Mountain sort of uh, – um, what's the name the of that? The Wilderlands. Yeah, it's a – it well. starts – when we discussed the, the Lore Master's Guide in a previous review session we did, we mentioned how Lake Town heavy – um, it all was, but um, and it starts in Lake Town. The, the the first adventure seed starts in Lake Town, but then takes you much further west into other parts of the Wilderland area, and then brings you back uh, not to Lake Town, but to uh, to the rebuilt city of Dale, mm-hmm. where Bard has become king. Okay. Yeah, uh, and that's something that should be emphasized for people who are are fans. Um, a lot of the major players from the Hobbit uh, do show up, uh, you know, um, and a couple of them from uh, the, the the Lord of the Rings as well show up, uh, but not many. Uh, it's mainly just the the major players from the Hobbit. So you end up with Bard and Bjorn and uh, Gandalf and. Um, uh, Radagast, of, Radagast, and one mm-hmm. of the uh, one one of the dwarves shows up. Uh, actually, yeah. a couple of the dwarves, the the new king under the mountain, shows mm-hmm. up. So you, you get to meet them as important NPCs, but they don't go adventuring with you. They're more like here are people who tell you to go do something. They're the quest givers, right? Yes, interesting. Yeah, and the the Bjorn one, I felt like made a lot of sense because what I started to say earlier about the way this, the storylines are tied together and what I like so much about it is they even for the most part make geographic sense. Like when you do the storyline of the first adventure, mm-hmm. it puts you in good geographic proximity to do the second adventure. And then same thing, second adventure to third adventure and third adventure to fourth adventure. And then when you get to the fifth adventure, there's kind of a big jump, but there's a good reason for people to be there. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, it's it's not one of those where it's a series of connected adventures, but you you as the DM have to figure out how to sort of fill in the blanks in between. You're you're kind of already filling in as you go because because one leads in uh, leaves you in a in a spot to start the next one. It, yeah, like for example, the first storyline, you're a, you are accompanying a merchant trying to cross through Mirkwood. And when you get him out the other end of Mirkwood, you've accomplished the task, and that puts you within probably twenty-ish miles of where the second adventure starts. Okay, so so the first adventure then doesn't lead into the second adventure, but it leaves you in a position where the most likely place you are to go is is going to be some place that's going to be yeah. where you can start the next one. Yeah, and a matter of fact, I had decided if if and when I run this, I will actually have the end of the quest line not be the forest gate exiting Mirkwood, but rather the location of the next place. Okay. Just to keep the continuity going. Yeah, and and to sort of follow that thread, the the next place is an inn run by, uh, uh, by hobbits. It's uh, hmm. it, it's uh, in the land of the Bearnings. Or Bjornings, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the uh, 
these were adventurous hobbits who went out and uh, apparently at some point run into uh, Bilbo, who writes them some letters of introduction, and they go out into the wild and find a nice place to sit up and in, and they are missing a brother, and they send you to go find the brother. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bilbo is the uh, the principal investor of this new inn called the Easterly Inn, and I just think I found that particular chapter very charming. Just the idea of hey, the in this time of improved peace, the roads going to be more open. Let's go ahead and set up an inn near this place and mm-hmm. kind of capitalize on that. I thought that actually made good narrative sense. And, and have a group of hobbits that have clearly been influenced by the the tales of Bilbo, who has come back with the, after this grand adventure. Sort of is that sort That's of right. the, the the gist? Yeah, they they hooked up with Bilbo earlier and got their heads full of his stories mm-hmm. and. What what had previously just been a small seed of adventurousness in their souls was kindled, and mm-hmm. uh, and off they went to start their inn on the edge of Bjorn's territory. Mm-hmm. So so the first adventure then is you start in Lake Town. You're you're hired by a merchant to escort them basically through Mirkwood. It's it's fairly standard fare with you know your Middle Earth uh, flavor. Yeah. Yeah, and in fact, I when I first read it, I was actually a bit disappointed because, good grief, I feel like every D&D story in history has either been you all meet in a tavern or you've been hired to be caravan guards. Right. <laughs> but, but actually, you discover the caravan already in process and in trouble and kind of come to their rescue and then kind of get drafted in. So I appreciated that they didn't do the trope 100%. And yeah, again, a, it's still a, pretty standard. A slight twist yeah. on it, sure. And then the second adventure is you end up at this inn, um, and one of the brothers is missing, and it's, it's go off and and rescue the 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 missing person, family member. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This brother has gone back to the area of the Shire to get supplies for uh, for the inn, and uh, and yeah, in, in his passage through the Misty Mountains. Um, has gone missing, and uh, and it's an important within this story makes sense particularly in the the adventures in Middle Earth rule set because there's a big thing in the adventures in Middle Earth rule set about downtime that we've talked mm-hmm. about before, and it's called the fellowship phase, mm-hmm. and an important aspect of that is opening up what's called sanctuaries, which are places of safety where you can actually rest and recuperate in in safety and security, like and, this inn. Yes, exactly. This is a new place, not, you know, I mean, Bjorn, it's at the edge of Bjorn's territory, but Bjorn's house is still, I don't know, I'm just guessing from looking at the map, 50, 60 miles south of it. So it's a good potential place for you to open up yourself another sanctuary, which is an important thing in this rule set. You also have the event, uh, the option of getting some of those letters of introduction uh, which you could use to uh, use in the other system that they put into the game, uh, audiences, hmm. to to help give you some bonuses in the audiences. Basically, it's a here's a letter that's from Bilbo that says you should give this person you know some some time and attention. Uh, they might give it to you as a reward for doing the them a good deed, and mm-hmm. that leads you to you know uh, you know meeting the big and great and powerful people of this region. Uh, the next adventure actually takes you to Bjorn's hall. Okay. Uh, you find, you, you go down the river, the Anduin, which is uh, a river that shows up in several of the, the places in the stories. And you find some dead bodies 
and they are clearly Bjorn's men. You take him to there. He tells you to go find the person who did it, who was a prisoner. Uh, and uh, a, a prisoner of Bjorn. Yeah, it was a pri- the two people that were dead were guards. They were transporting him to Bjorn for for judgment. Okay. Uh, and then you end up getting involved in a fight with you know goblins and orcs, and the guy uh, acquits himself well, depending on how you play things out. And you go to Bjorn, and you can sway Bjorn and say, "This guy actually was not a bad guy. He helped us out." Or you could, you know, be a bad person and sell them down the river. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a good, there's a neat little plot wrinkle there where you discover that the the murder case that the guy is arrested was originally arrested for is not quite as cut and dry mm. as you would think, uh, which is why because Bjorn has actually, and I thought this was kind of a neat feature. Um, one of the men that is killed initially that, that the players discover already dead uh, is functioning as something like a traveling judge on Bjorn's behalf. Mm-hmm. And he's authorized to handle cases, including executing judgment um, in some of these cases. But the bigger or more complex cases he's supposed to bring back to Bjorn. And that's what these guys are doing is they're transporting him back there. And I thought that was a neat little feature of here's how Bjorn chooses to run his little kingdom. Yeah, I said, man, Bjorn's uh, Bjorn's land is a lot more uh, civilized than I remember it from the books. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. He, yeah, he, I mean, he's he's sure he's a werebear, but he's a nice one. Um, <laughs> right, but I, I mean, from yeah. the books, there was no indication that he had like a kingdom and and government, yeah. and infrastructure and and courts and all right. That. Well, that's that's kind of a. I feel like at the very end of the Hobbit book, it mentions Bjorn considering becoming more of a chief of men again. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if I'm remembering that right or if I'm blurring it with all the Adventures in Middle Earth stuff I've sure. been reading recently. But at this point, he has become a chief of a tribe of people, the Bjornings, which is a a race in in this world mm-hmm. and a playable race. And yeah, he's he's running a version of a society with his very much with his stamp on it. Mm-hmm. Um, after his a little adventure and it's well, going back to the second one, the, sure. is, is it particularly important what happened to the brother uh, or is that just sort of a, 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 a aside for the larger storyline? No, it's actually, it ends up being a, a rescue scenario. You go looking for him. Uh, you, you find him, and this is a bit of a trope, too, of traveling through the, sure. except that you're actually looking for the guy, but you're traveling down the road, and you find people under attack by bad guys, and you jump in, kind of a thing. But it's okay. him with his guys, and in a very, in a particularly, and this is something I really, really, for Jeff, I just thoroughly enjoyed this book. It was fantastic in mm-hmm. many ways, and it was, almost everything in it is so very middle-earthy, you know, <laughs> um, my one of my teenage sons asked me today, uh, "Are there stories in there that we could transfer into our campaign? Because we're we're running around in the Forgotten Realms in our mm. in our home campaign." But I said, "Man, not really, <laughs> because the, there's so much Middle Earth flavor mm-hmm. running through these things." And so, for example, in this case, you you go, you fight the battle, but the the orcs get away with the Hobbit, and they set him to cooking for them. Okay. Because hobbits have have those kind of skills, and orcs don't particularly. Sure. You know, and uh, so when you come to rescue him at the orcs' little secret headquarters, they find him in the kitchens, essentially chained to us to a stove, 
cooking so that the orcs can feast mm-hmm. on all the supplies that they've captured from him. And mm-hmm. yeah, and that's I, just, I, it's a chance. It is a chance for you to sort of hint at what's to come a little with the goblins, but not, not a lot. Um, and, uh, you do run into a thing called a night white, which also hints at what's coming. That's right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, you know, it's, you know, an evil shadowy thing, mm-hmm. uh, which does, a uh, uh, you know, terrible, uh, visions of, uh, of torment, uh, if, uh, if it's disarmed and it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's an unpleasant little evil shadowy creature, which is sort of a hint of what's coming. And are all the stats in the adventure or is it just a reference to the lore master guide? Yeah, actually it's, I'm glad you asked that. The much of the material in this book relies greatly on owning the lore master's guide. So we, I, now that I've seen what they're up to, I think it's safe to say that you can't run what they're going to be putting out without having the lore master's guide okay. in hand. So we should treat it like the DMG in, in five oh, E terms. DMG well. slash monster manual. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Kind of combo thing. Yeah. But they're also it, something we had talked about when we reviewed the lore master's guide is that there aren't that many types mm-hmm. of bad guys. Uh, well, yeah, no, I mean, you've described well. three adventures so far and at least two of them involve the, the main villain being go fight orcs and goblins. Sure, sure. There are a lot of those running about. Uh, sure, but uh, yeah. but there also are included quite a few new types of bad guys and stats for them in, in this okay. book, and so it's it's useful even just for that. Yeah, so yeah, it, it can supplement your your monster collection if necessary. Yes. It, to to put it in uh, uh, other terms, the named bad guys have stats. Okay. The the. Uh, or you know, goblin number three doesn't. This just use the goblin stats, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, but yeah, the named, the named ones do. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so but, so we, but, we we helped Bjorn uh, get his prisoner back, who may or may not have been guilty and and or punished. Yeah. Uh, where yeah, do we and go you have there? a chance to participate in that trial, which is a neat little closing scene uh-huh. and kind of. The characters can put their weight and add their testimony to the trial as Bjorn makes his decision. Okay, just neat. Yeah, um, and it, it's 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 neat. Um, and I, I I guess I'll go ahead and say it now. I was going to save it for later, but I'll I'll sum up. And one of the things about this book, if you're used to D and D adventures, like Yawning Portal is the polar opposite of this book. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you are not going into dungeons for the most part. You are not, uh, uh, bypassing traps. You're, it's not a lot of, uh, you know, uh, just combat after combat after mm-hmm. combat. A lot of these, in, uh, the, the stuff in here is you having to role play your way out of things. Yeah. The 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 tropes the fantasy tropes of D&D and the fantasy tropes of Middle-earth certainly are a Venn diagram that overlap, but they're <laughs> not the same. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. Uh, it, it, yeah, yeah it, as you said before, these would not work in most Forgotten Realms uh campaigns. They might make good little for a change of pace, we're going to have a scenario where you don't have to fight everything. 
<laughs> well, I yeah, mean, that's right. I mean, so do they not like? Could I not run it with just core fifth edition rules in another setting, or would that require a sort of a massive rewrite of how things function? Hmm. So the core rules for fifth edition provide the XP for the combat encounters that do exist in here. There are a number of encounters that are skill challenges, basically, and uh, they give you some—they uh, give you enough that you could run them in fifth, uh, fifth pretty easily, um, with a few, you know, variations. Things like here's a reward that will help you in. Uh, in your fellowship phase. Well, that's not going to mean anything in, in fifth edition. Sure. Well, uh, unless you're at least familiar with the, the, the middle earth adventure system. Right. And, and yeah. you, you could sort of fake your way through yeah. it or whatever, but yeah. And some of the, I mean, again, like we talked about before, uh, the middle earth setting is a much more low magic setting, or mm-hmm. at least low magic in the hands of the characters setting. Yeah, and there's magic out there, but the players aren't running around hurling fireballs and things yeah. like that. I guess I guess and, the point of what I'm getting to is is if I don't buy into the the other books, but is there value in this book for my game? Is there enough there that I can mine it or or convert it easily enough or whatever? And it sounds like I could. Uh, sure, it, it would yeah. be a, it would be a different feel of a game than what is is traditional for for D and D. But you that's could right. Do, but you could do it. Oh yeah, yeah and the plot seeds could be could be done with just some different flavor changes and right. and the skill challenges for the most part could be pretty easily lifted. Like there, the you know we were talking about the uh, the judgment right and the different things that you might do in that with the uh, with the, the the various skills that might come into it. Now some of the skill names are different. Like they have an intelligence tradition skill, but. It, you could easily put change that to history and, and it work just fine. Uh, and you know, here are the complications. You know, uh, you, know you get a negative four if any character attempts to lie. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you get uh, you can use uh, charisma, persuasion, intelligence, riddle, which you could translate to Arcana pretty easily. Charisma, persuasion, intelligence, tradition tells you what skills to use. Wisdom, insight, and then the number of successes determine kind of what happens. So if you outright fail with all your skill challenges and, and you know, this happens. If you get zero to five successes, this is what happens. If you get six or more, this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those kinds of things absolutely can lift pretty easily and just work them into your, your game. Yeah. Um, with, the just an on the, with just an on-the-fly conversion, you could probably pull that off. Yeah, yeah, yeah for the most part. And there are a few, because um, something that's kind of, again, Middle-Earthy and very distinctive to this is, you know, in this rule set and in this adventuring world, there there is no character alignment. You're the good guys. Right. And you can slowly be corrupted by exposure to evil things, and there's an extra stat called Shadow Points, that's unique to the Middle Earth system in 5e. And mm-hmm. uh, some of stuff like that, you'd have to figure out a way to change up because, you know, you find this treasure that the bad guys had, but oh, it's corrupted by the curse of the Dark One. And mm-hmm. so just touching it gives you a shadow point and things like that. So you'd have to find ways to 
role play that out in a mm-hmm. D- in a more standard D and D setting. Yeah, and some some of the uh, uh, things that they're like, if a player does this, give them a shadow point because that's evil. Sure. Whereas in normal D and D, it would be like, well, if they're playing their alignment, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah. So so we've got to to the trial. What happens then in Adventure Four? We we're about the halfway point of the adventures. Mm-hmm. So sure. This one is the one that is in some ways the most Tolkien esque in the whole set in a lot of ways. Uh, it's uh, it's about an elf. You go you meet an elf in the woods, some elves in the wood, and they want you to escort this one elf to the uh, Grey Havens where she will uh, sail from Middle Earth. Back in Mirkwood? Uh, uh, the Grey Havens are ac- actually. Uh-oh. No, I, I meant you. You met the elves. You said back in the woods, but is that is that you yeah, talking? Yeah, you meet them at the edge of Mirkwood. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You meet them at the edge of Mirkwood, and uh, yeah, the Grey Havens are somewhere uh, to the far west. The far west. Yeah, yeah. the far west, and uh, yeah, that, that's where elves leave Middle Earth to go live in their basically kind of like heaven, but it's not. The, it's quite. the it's the elf afterlife across the ocean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Valinor. Uh, is mm-hmm. the the yes. uttermost west, um, and uh, so it, this is very much about confronting sadness and despair that elves feel at the the passing of the age, um, and it's really cool, yeah, but it would really not work in just about any other D and D setting. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Almost everything about it is is really, really locked in the Middle-earth world in that way. Because of the the whole idea of the elves departing? Yeah, these are immortal creatures, truly immortal, not just long-lived. In Middle-earth, they live forever until something kills them. And but they become world weary, mm-hmm. and eventually, in some cases after hundreds, and in some cases after thousands of years, decide to leave. Yeah, they, they have an I mean, element like, of that in Forgotten Realms, but yeah. not the same degree. Well, and the Forgotten Realms had that element that they'd clearly copied from Tolkien, sure. um, mm-hmm. where they were all going off to, to um, their island off in the west as well. Um, yes, but a they're not a, they're not exactly immortal, although they're almost effectively so because they're so long-lived um and b um that departure sort of ended mm, 150 years ago or so in the forgotten realms and they've started coming back now (laughs) so Mm -hmm. um so certainly uh i could see ways that you could you i mean especially if you're creating your own setting or whatever like this could absolutely be something that you could make work sure Um, yeah sure uh, and I could yes. see making it work in other settings uh, easily enough. I mean, even like, could I, could I, could, would it be effective if I said this is a thing that's happening with this small group of elves, even if it's not part of the larger setting, but this group of elves has this, this world weariness and whatever. Like the elves of Cormantir and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, yeah. Uh, a lot of this is an excuse for you to confront uh, lore. Um, oh sure. She, the the elf is, she you know as you're escorting her and you spend time with her, she tells you stories about stuff that's going on around her. 
uh, things that she remembers that none of you would even know about because you're not that old. So this is the part of the Tolkien novel where an elf gives you a history lesson. Very much so. Yeah. <laughs> For chapter and chapter and chapter. She's on thousands it. of years old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so she can she she reminds you about things that she's experienced. And one little neat feature from an earlier story that pops up here is, you know, Middle Earth is full of old, abandoned, torn down villages and watchtowers and castles and keeps and things like that. And you stop uh, on one of your previous journeys. Um, you camp out near an old, torn down village. And in back in now in this story, you end up stopping at the same village. And well, the the ruins of that village, and she remembers it mm-hmm. like she's been there. She talks about what happens there, and then that leads into a really neat part of the story, because this is where the gibbet king pops up for the first time. Um, you're just supposed to get her to about this point, and then the elves from Rivendell are supposed to come pick her up and take her the rest of the way, and they're coming the next morning. But she ends up coming under spiritual attack by this spirit that you later find out is the gibbet king Hmm. and uh and as she battles this thing in the spirit realm uh the players either are already asleep or are pulled into sleep and they get sucked into her dream basically and they end up interacting with the history of this village that they're sleeping in the ruin ruins of so it's so it's it's a whole adventure of exposition with a little bit of nightmare on elm street thrown in (laughs) <laughs> something like that okay yeah <laughs> although although there is a, a great bit in it the where you are attacked by orcs and are rescued by uh giant eagles yes cool. that's very, that never mi- that's very middle earthy <laughs> although yeah. once again we're fighting orcs but yeah <laughs> right yeah yeah and uh yeah so they have this this lengthy dream sequence that they participate in uh, including them getting ca- and you you discover that what they're doing is they're reliving the history and this is how this town was brought to ruin mm. is the necromancers troopers took the people and dragged them off into captivity at Dol Guldur and they're they're dragged along on that and at the end you see that she is depending on them and the strength of their will and their hope to draw strength so she can keep the fight up and not basically have the the life and the hope sucked out of her by the spirit. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a neat story. Yeah, be hopeful and great, and she succeeds, and everybody is happy. And if you're not, she uh, collapses under the power of despair and dies. Hmm. So that's not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a fun little trope to to yeah. to tell but a story you, that way. You do get to meet in this adventure Legolas and Elrond. Hmm. Uh, actual Legolas and Elrond, or dream Legolas and Elrond? No, that actual. part happens in in reality. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, uh, it, it, it's you know, if you're running the game, <laughs> you know, and this this might happen with people we know. If you're running the game and you are deeply embedded in Tolkienian lore. This is a great chance for you to show off all the cool stories that you know mm. mm-hmm. uh, to the people who don't know those stories. Yeah, although yes. I'm a little worried that this would be the part where, where somebody would go off on lots of exposition and um, the people who don't have that lore would lose interest real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that mm-hmm. is the danger of this one. It, it, but it does introduce you to the big bad for the remaining three mm-hmm. uh, 
stories. Um, yes. The, but you don't need the, this adventure to go confront the big bad in the remaining three stories. Okay. So you it's, can, it's always... just the first sort of hint of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, in the next story, you run into Radagast, who tells you that he's hearing some dark rumors and he's been advised by Soriman the White that you should that uh, they somebody should do something about this. So he sends the adventurers to go investigate uh, a possible sighting of dark powers gathering, and it turns out it's orcs gathering in one of the uh, outposts of the necromancer. Okay. Uh, and yeah. they are serving the, the gibbet king. Uh, and you have to sneak up on their place and scout the place out and find out what's going on and then run for your lives. Okay. Yes, that's about right. You, uh, you're try you're meant to infiltrate, sneak in, see what's going on, not really try to bust the place up because that's just, that's not going to work. Um, although if but, it was uh, core D and D, yeah. they'd find a way to make it work. Oh, sure. that's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no question. No. The standard D&D players would be like, yeah, we'll kill them all. And uh, that's not what you're supposed to do here. You're going to... Yes. Um, is it not what you're supposed to do, or is it not something you you realistically could do because of the differences in the, in the, the mechanics? Both. Yeah. Both. <laughs> you're not meant to do it because the the... They have a, a secret artifact that is that you're supposed to find out that they've got it, but you're not you don't know exactly what it's for. And then in the big adventure at the end, you find out what that thing was for. Right. And, and uh, that the um, you also uh, briefly get a hint of uh, a traitor that shows up later in one of the other adventures, a couple other things like that. But yeah, the 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 intent is your five guys. Uh, five or six guys, and you're going to run for your lives because this is too much. You can't mm -hmm. take this. You know, it's if you're uh, a bunch of fourth level characters in D and D, in standard D and D, uh, I would put it at 500 people, and you're uh, in their their camp. Mm -hmm. you're, the best thing you can do is run, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this one's like 50, but sure. they don't have. But the scale's about the same. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> they don't yeah. have fireballs here, so yeah. that's a problem. <laughs> you don't have fireballs, you don't have healing spells and things like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. In fact, part seven of this story, of this particular chapter, is called Fly, You Fools. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the big climax at the end of the story, is run away. Yes. Bravely run away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, the rest of the this particular uh, section, this uh, particular adventure, is you running away. And you can do things like uh, a couple of your the PCs decide to stand and fight against the fifty while the rest of them get away, mm -hmm. and they get a, a advantage with uh, a, a, you know a certain amount of advantage in getting away because the guys bravely stood and and, and sacrificed themselves to slow down the the oncoming horde. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a couple of neat touches in this story that I liked a lot too, like. Uh, at the beginning, Radagast, uh, depending on how your audience with Radagast goes, he might offer to give you a magical blessing of some sort to help you. But at the same time, he warns you that this might be attention-getting. 
uh, to bad guys. And that's something that Gandalf says in one of the books. I can't remember where it was, but he said, well, by doing what I just did, I've just announced that Gandalf is here for 50 miles in all directions or, <laughs> or something like that. And, uh, and that's what Radagast warns is, Hey, you'll, I'll give you this blessing and it may be advantage on stealth checks or I can't remember what all there were. There were five or six different options. Jeremiah, do you remember what some of the others were? Right um, yeah, the, um, the various options that he gives you, let me go back to that. One was a survival check for, for, right. Uh, the, the, they give you a, a, he gives you a stealth spell basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, but, oh, and he gives you a magical artifact that you can use. It's basically a storm and a pouch where you open up this pouch and it sets off a big, like thunderstorm around you, which is very high magic item for Middle Earth. Um, but presumably for, consumable. Like, you can only release yeah, that storm once. it's a one-shot once. deal. Yeah. 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 And what, but what's great about this is if you accept the blessing later on when you're sneaking into the bad guy's HQ to find out what's going on, it's the fact that you receive the blessing that makes the the, the gibbet king suddenly snap to awareness of you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's just, man, that's wonderfully thematic. And right. you can almost hear Radagast saying, I told you so, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, so on one, hand, on one hand, you've got advantage on your stealth check, so it's harder for them to find you. On the other hand, uh, they probably wouldn't even be looking for you if you had me on the blessed to begin with. <laughs> that's right, yeah. So you manage to sneak all the way there just fine, but at the critical moment, suddenly the bad guy turns around and points right at you and right. says, what are you doing here? And now we're into fly, you fools. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, uh, the the things that he can give is the spell of concealment, a travel blessing, uh, which he casts on your boots, which uh, have advantage on wisdom survival rolls while wearing sure. them. Yeah. Um, storm bag, the Markwood Cordial, which is a, a healing potion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you take the blessings, but turns out that exactly what Radagast said is going to happen is what ends up happening. It, sure. it ends up pinging on his radar when you get close to him. And uh, So then yeah. you, you find out about sort of what's going on. You find out about the artifact, although you don't get the artifact, and then you you, you run away. Yes. And, and, yeah. re, and report back, presumably, to whoever hired... Who who sent them on this mission? Radagast. Radagast. Oh, Radagast. So you report back to Radagast. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And... Uh, and when they send people to follow up at the place, there's no one there. They all disappeared. Sure. Yeah, that they, they, they all go. Nope, it's not ready. It's not time yet. Okay. Um, so then that leads into uh, adventure six. Yes, the crossings uh, of Selduin, and uh, this one is the big. This is certainly the most fighty of any of them. It's a big epic battle scene, sort of a scenario. Um, sort of. It, yeah, it doesn't start out that way, but no. that's how it ends. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I always like these kinds of scenarios. The you you're not expected to win against you know a certain number. You're just expected to hold out. Uh, you know, a, a good movie example would be the Battle at Helm's Deep, or uh, you know, even you know, Saving Private Ryan, where they have to hold the bridge, that kind of yeah. thing. That sort of scenario is how this one ends. Um, it starts with a party, uh, basically celebrating mm-hmm. that the all the people that fought in the, uh, the Battle of Five Armies, except for the orcs, now get along. They're good buddies. The bard shows up. Uh, uh, representatives of Dane show up. 
the the king under the mountain. Uh, Gandalf shows up. Uh, one of the original uh, thirteen dwarves shows up. Yeah, Boffer uh, and Boffer. Uh, yeah, and Thranduil sends men for or sends elves from the Mirkwood and. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a big gathering. It's an annual celebration that they talked up in the first book in the player's guide, and now you get mm-hmm. to see it kind of played out. Yeah, and uh, they have this great party, and uh, there is a traitor in their midst who uh, uh, tricks people into competing so they can go into this box where there will be treasure, and instead of treasure, there are a bunch of poisonous snakes that begin uh, poisoning all the powerful warriors who were there. So, uh, yeah, ostensibly weakening the defense of Dale. Um, yeah. There's a big feast and the, the, one of the, one of the guys there has been, I don't know if he's been corrupted, but at least bought by the, the gibbet King. And he, he sets it up so that the majority of the, the fighting men who are gathered in Dale for the festival end up poisoned. Yeah. Okay. So, so are all these adventures sort of the the Gibbet King uh, basically messing with people so that eventually he can march his armies into Dale? Sort these of. La- these yeah, last the, ones are. Okay. Yeah, the last ones are. The first the, the last session was him assembling troops and getting an artifact that you don't know what it's for yet. And then in this story, he marches on a weakened Dale. Well, what was and, his goal in hunting the the elf? Just sucking the life out of her for power, I assume. Okay. Yeah, and and just breaking pretty things because he's evil. Yeah, and that's it. So that's that's a, a, that's a little mustache twirly of evil, but okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's very you know, middle Middle Earth's mythology is Christian-ish in its background. Mm-hmm. You know, Tolkien wasn't trying to write uh, an allegory, but his beliefs come out in the middle earth mythology right. nonetheless and evil destroys things because they're there to be destroyed you know and uh that's the kind of thing they would do mm-hmm. uh, also it, you know there is a, a, a perfectly reasonable reason for the villain to go after her she actually remembers when the necromancer first came into power mm-hmm. so she probably remembers who this guy is mm-hmm. yeah i uh, and and wants to shut him down, uh, shut her down, so that she can't maybe give them a secret or something that would help against him. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. That could be the case. Yeah. Uh, but okay. uh, so 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 episode six then is there's a big party. People are being poisoned by snakes, and the party figures out what's going on and puts it into it. Yeah, they sort they, of. They they that the poisoning happens uh, with some. You know, useful roles and such. The, everyone who gets poisoned will be able to recover, but it's a lot of people. Uh, and they find out also that there is an army of orcs marching towards Dale, and all the defenders there are are recovering from poison, and it'll take a while for uh, the various uh, leaders to get their people on point to save things. So they, they need you to go to this one bridge and hold it against the oncoming army so that uh, uh, they can uh, re- uh, get the armies down there in time to, to, to fight them. So mm-hmm. basically you're buying them time. 
yeah, you fight a, a holding action that, if it goes well for the players, will involve two nights of staving off the works trying to get across the bridge. And yeah. if you so can hold them so that, is that long... Then... Is that in the 6th adventure or the 7th? That's still sixth. the 6th. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the tail. The, the end of the sixth adventure boils down to you go over to this this other location and hold it, uh, and uh, they throw a, tr- a troll chieftain against you, a bunch of orcs against you, uh, and then the uh, gibbet king comes out to face you, yes, and and gets repelled. But yeah, uh, if you're if you're uh, unlucky, you're driven from that point, and you know you maybe don't look as shining and awesome to the the king and his men when they do show up. Um, but uh, if you do hold out, you're considered one of the great heroes of, uh, of the you know the new age, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just I mean that's that's a what the the Spartan. 300 right i mean that's yeah yeah that's a, a small so. a small party of, of adventurers taking on the entire orc army yeah oh yeah i yeah. i love that i think that's mm-hmm. that 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 particular kind of story is one of my favorite ones to do in D. it's one of my go-to plots to hit Mm-hmm. Uh, and they do it well here. Um, yeah, they really do. They they send them in squads of attackers, and at first there's just orcs and goblins shooting across the river, charging the bridge, and then they send the, the troll chieftain over to try to tear the gates of the bridge down because one end of the bridge has an old gate on it that they've got closed. And then the gibbet king himself comes and starts jimmying the gates with magic, and now you gotta you just got to do something about it. you got to so, go get it. So does I mean it sounds like encounter 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 all on the same location. Is there anything done to sort of uh, to to mix up other than you know it's goblins and then it's orcs and goblins and then it's uh, mm-hmm. a troll chieftain? Like, uh, is there anything done to to change the environment to you know to to make things to mix things up a little bit so it's not? It sounds like it'd be a bit of a grind. It, I think it's meant to be a grind, and it's all about holding that bridge in that spot. So they're kind of yeah. stuck there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, and the the different war uh, waves uh, are you know made up in different groups. So you know yeah, the first wave is orcs and wargs, uh, and then the second one's the the hill troll chief, and then you can uh, and and some goblins, and then you hold out overnight. Uh, they they don't attack, and then the next day uh, you have to you know deal with a few other problems and complications and then uh more orcs and wargs show up and then the gibbet king their gibbet king comes out and he tries to basically magic the the door open and uh, the uh, the portacullis at the edge of the tower that's holding the bridge he tries to use magic to throw it off and he uses magic to stun everybody and he's yeah. He's kind of in, uh, remarkably unpleasant, and really the only way to deal with him is sort of um, l- laterally, because he's uh, he's got damage resistance to cold, lightning, poison, psychic, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing from non-magical mm-hmm. attacks. <laughs> he is immune mm-hmm. to charmed, exhaustion, grappled, paralyzed, petrified, poisoned, prone, and restrained. So yeah. finding him is not a thing that you really can do very well. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because he's he's a spirit being, really. 
and he actually just serially goes from dead body to dead body and animates them. Okay. Um, in fact, there's this really awesome scene where one of the the citizens of the the town that's right there at the bridge uh, is killed, and then the Jibby King immediately starts talking to you through him. Mm. And so it's yeah. like he is inside your walls and uh, taunting you and trying to make you fall into despair. And it's mm-hmm. it's a neat scene. Yeah. So the the ideal ways to deal with him are like set fire of to the cart that he's being wheeled out in because he's in an iron cage. Or dump him in the river and have the river flo- wash him downstream or something like that. Mm. You're not going to just like beat him to death with your sword. That's well, it's, it's like the, the ring race, right? You don't just defeat the ring race. You you chase him off with a torch or you, you wash him away in the river or whatever. Yes. Right. And then okay. they'll be right back. That's right. And yeah. Then, yeah, and then they just reform <laughs> mm-hmm. or get out later and, and continue hunting. Uh, yes. So, so, so... Chapter six, then uh, go defend the town, hold this bridge. Uh, yes, and then that leads us into chapter seven because um, the Gibbet King and his army are still on the march. Well, they they are actually driven back, um, based off of what you do in this. Uh, uh, the sixth adventure sort of determines how much it costs to drive them back, but they can't really stand against the armies of men and dwarves and elves combined. That's just not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. And it turns out that he, it's not all of his forces. In fact, this is kind of a massive distraction action from what he's really up to, which is the plot of the last story. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the, the traitor from the sixth story, while he was in the, 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 uh, the king's hall under the mountain mm-hmm. uh, managed to steal some documents uh, describing uh, a, a a threat to the north, which is uh, ends up being uh, another dragon. Okay. Uh, it's an ice dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and apparently it was injured, uh, you know, hundreds of years before, and went into an ice cave and began sleeping to heal and the magical item that the uh, gibbet king has allows him to control the spirit of something uh another creature if he can get it uh you know if he can touch him with it mm-hmm. um and so he's going to su- summon out that uh dragon take control of it and use it to conquer you know the wilderlands or whatever yeah the wilderlands Yes. Yeah, that's that's what he's ultimately up to. That that artifact is a chain and if he can wrap it around the dragon's neck then he will control the dragon uh, or the drake. It's is he called an ice drake, is that right? Remember Yeah, that it's one? an ice drake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, cold and, drake. Yeah, cold drake. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he's uh you know, it so he he's found where to summon him to an old fort uh to the north. He's uh, trying to summon them, and you have a couple of options. Uh, first off, you, you're obviously going to be sent to go deal with this guy because, well, you did so well on that last adventure. Mm-hmm. We'd like to send you to go deal with him now. Um, Unless, of course, you didn't, and then that part just doesn't make sense. <laughs> right. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, if you didn't, then this is your chance for you to redeem yourself. There you go. <laughs> um, but, yeah, they, uh, they send you to... Uh, uh, Dane, king under the mountain, sends you to the north, uh, and 
to to go stop him at this fort where near where the the ice or a uh, cold drake is uh is slumbering so you go up north uh and you have a few options i mean you could go to the fort and try and stop uh the guy first mm-hmm. that may or may not go well for you uh, especially if he manages to summon the, uh, the dragons, uh, the dragon to him. Um, so he, um, because then you'd fight the dragon and him and that's maybe not great. Yeah. Um, that's an auto lose scenario right there. <laughs> again, no fireballs, kids, no yeah. fireballs. And this uh, thing, the, the, the cold Drake is challenge rating 14. Yeah. And you're about level seven characters probably right. at this point. So it's it's not a, a thing that you're going to easily... As well as the Gibbet King that can't be hurt by anything. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, and him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah. And, and you have the option of going and finding the dragon and warning the dragon. The dragon may try and kill you because you showed up. But you could get all, you know, Bilbo about it and try and sneak around and, and, and try and convince it. And they give you the rules for how they handle that. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you have to fight some snow trolls at one point you get to, uh, uh, meet, uh, what may or may not be an entwife. Yes. Um, oh. they, they don't actually expressly say that she is an entwife, mm-hmm. but she might be. Yeah. And she, the picture, if you look at the picture, she's an entwife. Yeah. yeah. She, she comes <laughs> off entish and, and is, is female. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so you yeah, found the, him. Someone just needs to go down south and tell him about it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you convince the dragon not to go uh, to uh, uh, the gibbet king, awesome. Uh, you've made it so that he is. Uh, not going to have that weapon when you have to fight him. Mm-hmm. Um, the name of the dragon is Raynar, the Great Cold Drake. By the way, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, and uh, you know he's 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 from the the age when like the Cimmerillion, mm-hmm. when when the magic was a lot more free flowing and the you know the, the the battles were more epic, I guess, uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Raynar has been enslaved before at some point in his history, and so he's particularly paranoid about that, which works in uh, your favor if you're trying to convince him. To, yeah, convince him that hey, if you keep going, because he's being summoned, but he doesn't know he's being summoned. Mm-hmm. He doesn't realize that he's his will is being tampered with, but at a subtle level that he thinks he's going the direction he's going of his own accord. Mm-hmm. And so you got to convince him that actually, no, you're being manipulated already. You know, which is, you know, you always want to lead with a good insult when you're talking with a, a dragon that can one-shot sure. your whole party. <laughs> so you can you can um, take on the dragon and the gibbet king and die. You can mm-hmm. sneak up to the the dragon and, and go all Bilbo and convince it to to fight back. Right. Um, what, what, do I have other options? You can yeah, go they, fight him. Yeah, go, you, go yeah, fight you could just try to take on the dragon, but okay. that's... That's a poor uh, strategy. So the yeah. so the story as intended is go and convince the dragon what's going on and get it to fight back. Well, yeah, you have you, you you have an option of you can beat him, beat the gibbet king if you don't have to deal with the dragon. Also, hmm. um, 
uh, I mean, you still have to kill all a bunch of orcs to get to him. Um, and he can't be hurt by anything. Well, he I mean, can't. It sounds I, like just about the only thing you can hit him with is magical weapons, which you, there's not are going to be in abundance in the setting. Right. Well, there are a couple of things going for you here. Uh, one, he's resistant, but he's not immune. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing uh, is the um, the place that he is held uh, holding has a, a place called the Chamber of Winds, and uh, if winds uh, like like the blowing winds, yes, yep. okay. Uh, if uh, you go into the, ch- you can. Ch- Close uh, certain doors to the chamber of winds, and it will generate start generating a noise. That noise is powerful enough to do two d eight thunder damage each round. Mm. And it's kind of like a self destruct button on the place. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> you can bring it all down on top of them. Um, so you could do that. that out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you can also get a hold of the chain, and if you put the chain on him, he has sort of a like a magical circuit is formed and he is under the control of the chain and he controls the chain and it makes him sort of shut down. Yeah, he gets set in a permanent feedback loop basically because he goes, the, goes he, he's the one who knows how to control the chain, but he's inside the chain. And so he can't command the chain from outside the chain. And, and so, yeah, there's a way to trap him mm-hmm. with that. You could also kill all his orcs. That's an option, and leave them there. For the hack and slash player. Sure. That's right. right. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so there's a, you know, in this game, we've talked about that there are audience scenes, and there are degrees of success, and some some of the degrees of success will get the Drake to, the cold Drake to just leave, and, or, but some of them, he will agree to go attack the tower. Mm-hmm. Um, so he can, you can actually kind of get him on your side, but he intends to eat you <laughs> when it's over. Which, of yeah. course, getting the dragon to attack is also risky as well, because that's kind of it's, what the Jimmy King wants, is the dragon to show up. So. Yes. Yeah, so if he does uh, agree to attack, you need to get that chain away from uh, the Jimmy King before the dragon confronts him, mm-hmm. or... Yes. Or it could go yeah, very poorly. It, it can all go sideways. Yeah, it can all go <laughs> sideways. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you've got a bunch of things going on there. You have a few options of how to resolve it. But, yeah, it, like most of the scenarios in here, a lot of your success depends on how well you role-play a scene, how how well you do on skill challenges, uh, and less on your ability to... Uh, kill everything. Kill everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's kind of cool. Uh, like, you don't know about the doors uh, causing the, the chamber of winds to make the noise unless you do the right kind of research and pass the right skill challenges and things back when you're in the King's Hall. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's access to some secret information about that place that you might find that would help you know that. Yeah. And help you know about a potential secret entrance to the place and a few things like that. Yeah. Okay. So it's so it's a it's a slower paced, grittier sort of uh, story, as one might expect from Middle Earth. Uh, yeah. And but in the end, you still take on this great threat and manage to defeat it and and save the day. Hopefully so. Yes. Oh, hopefully. Or if not, you know, <laughs> hey, dragons. <laughs> Remember that dragon we got rid of five years ago? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. Find a replacement. 
Yeah. Cool. So, any any last thoughts? We've we've gone a good hour on this, going going through each individual adventure. So so I'll, let's go ahead and jump to the last thoughts and and wrap the, wrap up our our review. Sure. Yeah. Well, something I would comment on that was is interesting and. I wish there's there's several things that this book does that really ought to be applied to the published mainline D and D adventures. Um, one being they actually give pointers for non combat encounters of how to award experience points for them. Okay. Uh, which is interesting because when we first ta- started talking about this game system, I was saying it's very clear that the best way to do this is through milestone leveling rather than experience points leveling because uh-huh. it's so incredibly not fighty. But then they've turned around in this published adventure and actually put tons and tons of cues of here's how to award experience points for this non-combat event. And they're they're everywhere in this book. And I wish D&D 5e stuff would do that for people who are still doing it. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. so, I've I've always awarded experience when I was using experience points. I've switched over to milestone now, mm-hmm. but for most of my career, I've awarded experience points for successful role playing mm-hmm. and exploring thing, like we probably all did at some point or another. But they give you very good, sharp guidelines for that in here, okay. which I, is fantastic. I I I have a, a a lot of weird thoughts on this. I think it is absolutely. Uh, in keeping with Middle Earth, right? Uh, mm-hmm. the, the story is in keeping with Middle Earth. It fits into the world. If you like Middle Earth, really like Middle Earth, not just like the the uh, Peter Jackson sort of high action version, but mm-hmm. the 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 the, uh, the sort of literary style that Tolkien pursued, this fits well into that that aesthetic. Um, yes. It does introduce uh, uh, an expansion of the journey rules, uh, so you end up uh, with more sort of random encounter options. Um, yes, which are much more flavored to the adventures in here. And honestly, that's something I'd like. I wouldn't mind seeing more of in Five uh, E Adventures. Is you know rather than you you know you can run into random things. It's like detailed here's a couple of pa- paragraphs of stuff that happens if you get that result uh, on this adventure mm-hmm. uh and i thought that was nice it was a nice touch uh i do have the same complaint with this that i had with the the player's guide when we did the talk about it in that it is not terribly diverse in its imagery um the, you know, that it, it's Western European, based on Western European uh, tropes, but mm-hmm. it is a fantasy world. You could maybe have people who have other than maybe Western European features. Sure. Uh, and it uh, actually is not great on the portrayal of, or, or the use of female characters for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, those are absolutely true of Tolkien stories. Sure. So you, you get, you, you know what you're getting. If you're going into a Tolkien story, you get that, but we are in the 21st century. It's probably not going to hurt anything to maybe make one of the, uh, strong knight characters, a woman. Sure. 
Okay. Uh, yeah, and there, yeah, there are only a couple of prominent female NPCs I can think of: the the int wife character, and then uh, the guy that Radagast assigns you is a is a was, pretty competent female. Was but, the elf from the from their village ruins not not a woman? Yeah, the elf. And oh, you that's have right. To rescue yes. her. Okay, in my head, she, in in yeah. my head, it was, but I wasn't sure if I was making yeah, that yeah, up. That's so. right. Yes. Yeah. No, that's right. Yeah. 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 Something else really good about this that again that I wish they would that regular D&D would get a hold of is the very excellent summaries. At the beginning of this book, mm. there's a about a two-page summary that gives you two or three paragraphs that really excellently summarizes each of the seven stories. And then at the beginning of each story, the first page of it is is a summary of part one of the story. Here's what happens, part two, part three, part... It's just, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. Man, and I feel could, like I've seen that yeah. in some Wati and other D&D products and stuff in the past. Um, I wonder if there's not a the tension for page count issues is that they just want to keep squeezing more and more stuff in. And, yes, and probably so. They had to sacrifice stuff like that in order to to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's wonderful, and they need to. That's something that again, mainline D and D could pick up and learn from. We consider bringing excellently that. done. Yeah, sure. It's a pretty book. Uh, the artwork is excellent. Uh, what artwork there is, the layout is easily readable, but uh, conveys a feeling. Um, they've got lots of uh, flavor text to toss out there that's well written uh, and uh, uses a lot of the same sort of language Tolkien used in his stories. So it feels familiar. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I would, Jeff, I would give this a very high grade. In okay. fact, uh, Reading this book has moved me from, hey, Adventures in Middle-Earth, cool, to, hey, Adventures in Middle-Earth, how can I get a game of this going as soon as possible? Um, I've just I, I've been very impressed by it. I will actually kind of go the other direction. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Jeremiah, I, you're free to be wrong. You can do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> now, fire it up, man. Go. No, and, mm. and uh, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I like it. It's good. This is probably... Also, a reminder that I'm probably never going to get a Middle Earth game up and running because I have to. Well, no, it's not so much that it's not my style. It's I would have to do so much work to set expectations correctly Uh uh, that I would, you know, it it would be less fun, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, unless you're already a huge Tolkien nerd. A lot of this is not going to fit into your expectations of sure. D&D. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's very fair. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that um, I continuously host these episodes and do not review uh, because I have long acknowledged that this is not my cup of tea. And, and I think that's fine. I think knowing that is, is useful more than just saying whether or not something is good or not. Um, get, I think hopefully our audience appreciates just have, getting a chance to, to listen to these, not to figure out whether or not you think it's good or not, but but to figure out what are these stories, how do they work, and is that really something I should I should be investing in? So, I mean, yeah. there's definitely some stuff I could take out of this to put into other games, the, the mm-hmm. skill challenge stuff we've already talked about that makes great additions. But uh, you know, if I had a part, a, a group of players where everybody was as invested in Tolkien as I, and maybe Jeff and uh, uh, yeah. Jeffrey Wynn and Jeff Louis, Wynn, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, uh, then 
sure that 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 could make a good group for playing in this world. Uh, I don't know that I would say that of every D and D group I've ever played with. Sure, D and D is not Tolkien. Right, D and D is a whole mess of things that Tolkien is part of. Yeah, I agree. That's right. Yeah, that's right. All right. Well, I think that's a good note to, to end on. It sort of summarizes uh, the, the larger theme here. So I want to thank Jeremiah and Lewis for joining us. Jeremiah, where should people go if they want to hear more from you? Well, I have a YouTube show called The Basics of the Game. Uh, and uh, other than that, I post everything I do on jeremiahmccoy.com. There you go. And Lewis, where should people go find you and talk to you some more? Uh, they can find me at Twitter at Rev, R-E-V, Lewis Brenton, and also I write at lewisbrenton.com. There you go. I also, of course, want to thank our sponsor, EasyRollerDice.com. Don't forget to stop by there and use the Tome as your uh, coupon code for 15% off. I just placed an order this afternoon. Got an, uh, I, think, I, got, I think I got like 10 bucks off using my coupon code, so there you go. Uh, nice. and, and I also want to thank all of you for supporting the show by shopping at our affiliate links when you use Amazon or DMs Guild or becoming a patron at patreon.com slash the Tome Show. Just like Stephen Robertson, Robert Aducci, Matt Bible, uh, Doug Palmer, Mark, Darren Appel, Simat, Danny Silva, and Robert Cooper. The, the Patreon is really taking off these days. It's awesome. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email thetomeshow at gmail.com or call the biz line at 919-BIZ-TOME. That's 919-B-I-Z-T-O-M-E. And I'm going to call that episode 283, where we joined the ranger- rangers and strode into dangerous lands outside our front door. In this episode of... The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome, The Tome. I'm on the wall.